Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why am I with Seabus Super? Because I'm a builder and they take care of me. Well, I had an accident on the work site and they helped me out, no worries. Yeah, they helped me out real fast. Mate, they just get me. Because they are for all of us. Seabus, for all of us. To consider if Seabus is right for you, visit seabussuper.com.au for a copy of the PDS. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. For the final time in the group stage, this is the final word World Cup Daily, day 38. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon coming to you somewhere on the M6. The GPS in front of me says that we will arrive at our destination at 4.01am. Our destination is Canterbury. Our origin point was Manchester. Old Trafford to be precise, where we saw Australia lose the top spot at the final time of asking Jeff Lemon in a defeat to the Proteas. Why don't you tell me all about it in 30 seconds? I I will, with the caveat for our listeners that I'm currently driving the car that we're in um, using a wearable microphone, (laughs) and so I can't look at a scorecard, so I'm going to do this off the top of my head at, what is it, a bit past midnight of what has been a very, very long day um, and a very long 38 days, so here we are nonetheless. We'll never stop podcasting because it's what we do. Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. 30 seconds or less. Australia was supposed to wipe the floor with South Africa. They didn't. South Africa won and elected to bat Australia. Haven't chased much and they didn't like that. Mitchell Stark started with five wides down the leg side. It didn't get any better. The openers carved them around. Markram made 46 or so. Uh, Quinton de Kock made 62. And then 100 to Faf de Plessis. 95 to Rassie van der Dussen. And 325 was too much for Australia despite an awesome century from David Warner and a great 85 from Alex Carey. They fell short. Nicely done. They fell 10 runs short, all told. Uh, and... It does have major implications. Let's start there and and work our way backwards. So Australia have had a pretty rough old time in Manchester. Not only have they lost Sean Marsh, so their their spare batsman, they Mm. had a problem with Glenn Maxwell getting hit on the arm. Steve Smith and Jason Berendorf hurt their fingers in training as well. It didn't affect them in in terms of their play today, but it it certainly was a talking point in the lead-up to this game. Usman Khawaja's torn his hamstring, probably, or strained at this stage, but the way he looked like he was moving around when he returned after his retired hurt, Earlier, it suggests that he won't be playing at any yep. further stage in this World Cup. Uh, Marcus Stornis has done his other side. So it was his left side earlier in the tournament, his right side now. And now they have to visit yep. Birmingham to play England, which is perhaps the worst possible matchup given that that's England's favourite ground and certainly where they get the most rowdy support. So it's been a pretty bad few days for Australia. Yeah, there was a lot of talk that the end of the group stage would all be pointless and boring. Uh, Most of it was coming from us, but in the end there was a lot riding on this game because Australia have to play England at Birmingham, as you say. I would have thought England would have been dreading the possibility of facing Australia in the final at Lords because Australia play well there and England don't necessarily. Uh, They'd much rather probably 
face Australia early and try to get rid of them in in the semi-finals. But for Australia, they could have been staying here in Manchester, taking it easy, playing New Zealand on Tuesday, who on paper looked like the weaker opponent. Now they've got the stronger opponent. The only silver lining is they've got two more days to maybe get those injuries right. Mm. Uh, and I guess also that the entire second semi and the reserve day might be rained off, in which case Australia would go through oh, because God. they're ahead of England on the table. That would be the ultimate troll move if Australia qualify ahead of England based on rain. Yeah, a two-day washout. I'll, I'll test run an article I'm going to write later in this journey. About a week ago, we were all saying, oh, England, they played Australia at Lords, which is a terrible result. They're playing India at Birmingham. Terrible result as well. Why couldn't they play them at the other venues where Australia could get thrashed at Edgebaston where they tend to do exactly yep. that? Then India at Lords where India could be overwhelmed on, on, the, on the big stage and, and so on. Uh, that's exactly what England get to do now. They get to play Australia at Birmingham. Uh, and which is their dream draw, really. Uh, and then they get to play India, presumably, assuming they get over New Zealand. I shouldn't assume that, but if that were to be the case, the most likely of the scenarios, uh, at, at Lords. So it really is all coming up England. Considering a week ago they were one loss away from being punted out of the competition altogether, now this is almost exactly what they would have wanted maybe two weeks ago when things were going nicely. Yeah, um, they, had they been able to plan it, they would have gone for exactly this I'm pretty sure but um, you know Australia have dropped the ball on on that one and could have made themselves untouchable and now they're very touchable they can be touched for the very first time Um, as you say I'm going to touch my milkshake that's the other thing we should have mentioned off the top here Jeff we fueled ourselves with a couple of McDonald's thick shakes this is not a sponsor moment I I should say there are other thick shakes this is purely in case we run into Tommy Robinson (laughs) exactly right we're well equipped we're not in that part of England although maybe we are who's to know but um, yes if if Tommy does jump out of this at a a services I'll tell you where these milkshakes are going not in our mouth well because the main thing I learned out of the Tommy Robinson saga was that um, most of the milkshake machines in uh, the United Kingdom don't work because everyone was saying like it's amazing that bloke actually had a milkshake um (laughs) (laughs) they're they're always out of order it's like the old McFlurry machines which have you noticed over the over the McDonald's journey with the McFlurries they used to be a thing it used to be a machine a bit of now it's just a bit of soft serve with some Oreos chucked on top when when we run the world the the, the McFlurry machines are back in business I'm pretty sure there were some enemies in the um, in Super Mario Brothers 2 that were called flurries that were like snow monsters or something Yeah. yeah they're real real difficult Carriers. Anyway, we should talk about. I, w- South Africa. I want to talk about. I want to talk about uh, who I'm calling Randy Vanderdas, and that's not really his name. But I think of Randy. I th- I'm thinking of like a National Lampoon's um, uh, Christmas Vacation uh, when I think of him. And he's a tall man. He's a very effective man. He's average in one day cricket, despite not having record of the century. Seventy three. That 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 eclipses Ryan Tendiscada, Brett Coley, Michael Bevan. Uh, and anyone else that sits in that category. Barbara Azam, I think, is also in the top five of all time. Maybe yep. Imam Al-Haq even. But there's, there's, there's Randy, yet to score a one-day 100. And last ball of the innings today, he nearly did just that. He hoiked out to deep mid-wicket, as he should being the final ball of the innings, and it just fell about 10 metres inside the rope. Glenn Maxwell took the catch and gave, it to the, gave the big ones to the crowd as well, which I wasn't quite sure what that was all about. But anyway, it doesn't really matter. But what I would say is that uh, Van der Dersen started terribly, and... One little segue I'll go on early because I have no idea how long this podcast is going to run for today. Probably longer than 20 minutes. He was hit flush on the helmet by Pat Cummins early on and out come the medical staff, as is the custom and probably the regulation. I don't know for sure, but I expect the medical staff have to come out in that situation. And umpire Dharma Sena waved them off. And then he got hit in the head a second time 
and the medical staff didn't even get to the rope. He just went back to his back to his crease and and uh, and, and 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 set himself up for the next ball. Now I'm not sure what to read from that, other than the fact that he's clearly a fairly tough young young fella. And he's just taking George W. Bush's advice: hit me in the head once, shame on you. <laughs> hit me in the head twice. Well, you're not going to do that again. Uh, <laughs> do that again. <laughs> Look, he he, he was. I, I, I want to start at the top because my favourite bit of the day was Aidan Markram. Yep. The way he started. Look, Mitch Stark bowls five wides, as I said, then a dot ball, then another wide. So South Africa has scored six from one ball, effectively, without having played a shot. Mm. Um, and you got the sense that it might not be Mitchell Stark's day, and indeed it was not, because uh, Aidan Markram laid into him, not with any sort of um, bludgeoning batting, but just beautiful shots. They, the sort of Durban second innings of the Durban Test last year kind of shots, where he was carving it through cover, playing the cut beautifully. And Quentin de Kock took a little bit longer to get going, but then started matching him stroke for stroke and they were flying they were what 72 off yep. the first 10 that's exactly um, right they were 72 in the first power play I came in and was that looked over your shoulder I did that from memory I'm doing all of this Very from good. memory here yeah the, 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 the shot I came in when you were in that little side room we were yep. working out of at Manchester nice little nice little thing we found there we found a private office that we've been using for the final word for every game at Old Trafford which no one's picked up on which is quite useful anyway um, if you're listening ICC let us keep doing it at the semi-final I came in and looked over your shoulder and um, watched him play the most glorious off-drive of the, of the whole competition, mm-hmm. I think. So whilst Markram's made plenty of pretty starts, he's not gone on with it. And today, that was the case as well. So the one disappointing part of the innings for mine was that I would have loved to have seen Markram go on and make three figures alongside yeah. Van der Dussen and really signal a generation change. I know Markram's already established and, and Van der Dussen's just coming along. Our colleague Ben Jones from Crickby has made the point in his piece tonight that it was like a hello goodbye moment, wasn't it? With, with Duplessis, um, probably played his last one day international today, signed off with 100, wonderful celebration where he dropped the bat, thumped his heart and then put his fists in the air. I quite like that. They're getting quite resourceful, some of these player celebrations as we yeah. work our way through the tournament. Um, and then, you know, he, he's yet to make a formal commitment. But I, date, I I would suggest that he'll view it in four-year cycles and hand the baton over. Uh, right. But, yeah, so Markram could easily be the captain of this side and, and Van der Dussen could easily become their best player. Well, he could. And, and it's, it might be a little bit unfair to view it this way, but they looked a better team with Hashim Amlai missing because he'd... He was hit on the knee in, in training and missed. The all-rounders were shuffled up the order. Pretorius was due to come in at six, which is probably not ideal from a South African perspective. It left their batting thin, but it worked today on a, a, a nice track with um, you know, th- that gave them plenty of latitude to play through the line. And it also helped that Mitchell Stark was all over the place. He was doing, doing that trick he does, bowling wides either side of the wicket um, and struggling, I think, with an injury. He was feeling for his leg on a number of occasions. He was looking pretty uncomfortable more than once out there. He was down on his haunches at one stage and, um, and just didn't look the goods and, and had to be dragged pretty early. Nathan Lyon came on and bowled early and, and that's what actually brought the initial breakthroughs. He got a Markram stumped with a beauty just trying to defend. When, anytime you get a batsman stumped defending, that's when you know a spinner's bowling really well. And it went really the other well. way as well. It was the, it was the Nathan Lyon delivery which we don't see that often, which actually straightened away from the right hand. I'm not sure if it was um, due to the surface or out of the hand, but it looks like it was the latter. Um, so he's copped some criticism in the past line about the way that he bowls on roads in white ball yeah. cricket. So if there's nothing there for him that he struggles to contain the runs and he did that today and picked up the first two wickets to fall in a really important spell so I think he's he's guaranteed his spot in the semi-final if there was any doubt about it he, that he's now the number one spinner I think that's now um, now, now moved on. So. Well certainly that they looked to him for control when things were you know getting really out of hand 
he was the one who calmed everybody down. He he came in and made sure that you know everybody knew that things were all right. And he also got to cock out not long after that, if you will, um, drawing a a big shot and a big leading edge that was called a backward point. So or or um, short third man, I suppose. So he got those first couple of wickets and made things possible. Yeah, and Maxwell played a similar containing role. I think he bowled 10 overs on the spin, Maxwell. Haven't seen him do that. Not quite. He, Lyon came back to bowl two. Lyon, oh, okay. Lyon bowled eight and then took a break and then swapped on for Maxwell for a couple of overs and then Maxwell came back. Right. In any case, it was the finger spin strategy which did tie them up to a certain extent, although they, they did get busy in the final 10 South Africa, so they did set Australia 326 to win, which at the halfway mark seemed like on an absolute road. Best track we've had all, all tournament, I reckon, in terms of how flat it was. It was brilliant. It was quick. Um, it's kind of what we expected before the tournament started and but didn't that, really get that's through That's why it's interesting that the spinners were containing and the seamers yeah, got smashed. Yeah. All, all of the quick bowlers, Berendorf, Cummins, Stark, all went for well over six and over. The spinners went for less than that. And you know, even Smith bowled on over, which, which went for five. So it was interesting that the quicks got belted around. And there was one shot, I just want to say, um, Duplessis' shot against Cummins, where yeah. he came down the wicket and smashed him dead straight, like, like set square straight for six over his head. Um, and said at the end of the day, he said, look, that's obviously a premeditated shot, but normally I play it against guys who bowl 130 to 138. Um, he goes, 148, the heart's beating a bit faster when you come down the track to it. But, <laughs> yeah, Mark Nicholas asked him about it in the pregame. He was slipping off his chair. He was, he was very excited about it. Yeah, the fact that Australia's quicks, none of them bowled their full complement of 10 overs, certainly Stark and Cummins not bowling 10, you almost pencil them in, really. You ink them in, because how could it possibly be that they wouldn't get through 10 overs, but both of them bowled 9 today? To be fair to Stark, not his best day. I think he bowled 8 wides all up, which... That's not including the five. That's I mean eight times he had a, a wide signalled, and obviously one of those went for four. So um, that, but he came back and took wickets late. Uh, yeah, yeah. So again, it kind of shows that even when Stark's having a poor day, he can still. Uh, it still influenced the game. I think what happened was when it became simple for him, he came back at the end and it was like just bowl full, and then yeah. it, then it became easier because he's he he nailed the length. He didn't nail the line. He was bowling the Yorkers a bit wide of the stumps, um, unintentionally I think. But he eventually got them on the stumps and, and got one classic Stark, you know, in swinging Yorker bowled. If he doesn't clean up the stumps at least once per game, you know something's really wrong. But yeah, and another catch goes to twenty six wickets in the tournament so far. And, and, it's and the still. most ever, by the way. He, he draws level with Glenn McGrath from 2007. So right? another little milestone for Mitchell Stark and, of yeah. course, an opportunity to add to that when he plays in the semi-final on Thursday. The reason they're playing Thursday and not Tuesday is because, Jeff, they lost early wickets and that's not been a regular feature of this Australian side during the World Cup. And batting first... Well, and batting, well yeah, maybe... It's been regular enough. New Zealand, West Indies and, and now today. They did it in all three of those games. Well, OK. Fair enough, but I guess the point I'm making is that the Australian Openers have put on some hefty stands, mm. and, and it wasn't the case today. Finch was out early, uh, giving catching practice off the back foot from the bowling of Imran Sahir, I think it was, and he went and it did was, one yeah. of the all-time great Imran Sahir celebrations. Wasn't he that beautiful? signed off from one-day cricket today in style, running all the way up to the hotel side of the ground and yeah. unfurling the arms. The, the rest of the side were going up to congratulate. I think it was Aidan Markram who took the catch. The rest of the side were running up to him, and... 
to hear wanted none of it. He was all on his own and and doing his singing. And fair enough too, uh, as as has been observed a couple of times. We wanted him to leave the stadium and just run all the way around the world. It wasn't yeah. quite to be, but um, that was a nice moment uh, well, it, to start the chase or to start their defence of three twenty five. It's hence his name because he runs from here to here. <laughs> and then uh, and then the next wicket to go was that of Steve Smith between times it was when Kawaja. So this was quite interesting. So Kawaja walked out to bat played a sweep shot and out came the trainer after four balls to re-strap his thigh and we just kind of thought well you know on the radio call we were kind of like well you know that's the way it goes sometimes your strapping's done too tight you you, want to get it fixed before he's too deep into his innings and then at the end of the next over um, he just walked off he, played a, he attempted a reverse sweep, which didn't come off. He played the conventional sweep a second time. And after that shot, he pulled up gingerly and just walked off the field as though it yeah. was a concession of, like, this is gone. And you don't normally do that if it's a little niggle. You normally do that when it's a more serious injury and you know you've really pinged it. So he walked off, and it was effectively three for not many at all. Uh, then Stoinis was the next man in inside the power play. Very rare for Marcus Stoinis to get an opportunity in the first 10 overs, despite the fact that that's how he kind of made his name in domestic cricket all those years ago. Um, but he didn't last for too long. He was visibly uh, under a lot of pressure from his side as well. So he only bowled a couple of overs. Um, obviously hurt himself uh, while bowling. So that's why they didn't use him later on. Yeah. And it's the other side, as I mentioned off the top. It's not the left, it's the right. So he's got a serious problem. He, he took some tablets uh, not long after he started this innings. I'm not yeah. quite sure what that, whether it was related to that. Well, probably he, he was. He had the physio out there at the drinks break as well. So he came out in the seventh over and then in the 16th or 17th when they had the drinks break, he had the physio out. He wasn't looking good. And, and when he was run out, it seemed to be related to that because he couldn't lunge for his ground properly. He couldn't dive properly. He was, you know, Warner was taking off expecting there was a single there and there would have been with a fit player, but he just wasn't quite there. And uh, it was a little genius moment from Quentin de Kock to yeah. backhand a throw on to the stumps, just deflect it rather than taking it back onto the stumps. Yeah, it was super clever. It was Rabada's throw, wasn't it? And then yeah. Decock had the presence of mind to just wait for the ball to come. Rather, R- Rabada had already muffed two runouts at that stage. He'd, miss, he'd missed running out David Warner in the first. First over. ball, wasn't it? But, yeah. uh, third ball, maybe third by, ball, by right. throwing to the wrong end, um, and then yeah, and then missed another one. But finally, was able to be involved in a successful run out in some way or another. And then Maxwell came and went in a familiar fashion out hooking at mm. Rabada. They immediately brought Rabada back. So the plan seems to be from every side that Australia plays. Maxwell comes in, bring on your quickest bowler, chance your hand, and it was a slightly more tortured state of that, actually. He faced 20 balls for his 12 as opposed to you know 20 off yeah. 12 balls. It was the reverse of what would be expected in this tournament. And a little under edge from the from the failed pull shot, which was the same way he got out to Joffre Archer at Lords. There was the um, the pull shot, which was Q-ended Q back to uh, Jimmy Neesham last Saturday as well. So a little bit of a, a pattern emerging there. And all the way back at the start of the tournament when he took on Sheldon Cottrell or O'Shane Thomas with a with a hook shot which yeah. went wrong too. So there, there is a you know there, there's the potential as we've seen for Maxwell to take innings apart, but not necessarily the uh, the, the settings that lent itself to that today. But all the same, there's no excuse. He's just not going that well. That, that, to, that's been the frustration though. You know, obviously we're fans of his work when he's going well, but the the thing of continuing to take on that hook shot against those fast bowlers and particularly in the West Indies innings and the one today where there's so much time left in the day and it's like you don't have to do that you don't have to take that shot on um, you, well, we took you, on Rabada first ball I mean first ball Rabada bowled at him hmm. big inside edge through to Quinton de Kock um, with his bat and pad a fairly decent journey away from each other second ball wafting at a ball further outside the off stump which he missed by fairway so it, it was kind of trending in that direction from the get go yeah. I see what he was trying to do which was 
um, you know, show some authority against the fast bowler having mm. been brought back at him. But yes, there, there is. Um, yeah, I mean, we're not going to get too deep in the weeds on this, but room to improve. It would say if he was his school report being filled out today. Yep. Uh, then enter Alex Carey, who we've been so impressed by, Jeff. I was surprised he didn't walk in when Stoinis did, to be honest with you. I thought that, look, two early wickets and the retired hurt. We saw Carey bat from over 21 onwards last Saturday and make his highest score in international cricket. And he, and he betted it today, moving to 85 off 69 balls when he was dismissed. And what a lovely, brilliant innings it was. Well paced. He didn't come out of the blocks fast. He took his time to set himself and let Warner do the bulk of the heavy lifting and then he went up the gears as they say and instead of pinging that cover boundary he's in just such delightful touch it's as though whenever he wants to come down the track as what he does so often is, is shimmy down the track before yeah. greeting the ball and turning deliveries into half volleys and then piercing them through the field he's Oh, talk about a player at the peak of his powers. Yeah, he, he really was today. Never, it, it looked effortless, really. And while he was with Warner, you thought they could probably cruise there. Warner, a great hundred. I, th- I thought it brought out the best in him today because he mm. he hasn't looked his best, even though he's been piling up runs. But today, there was no choice but for him to go. He had to go, and he did. Um, he was much more convincing than he's been. He, he looked fired up in a way that he hasn't been. It, w- it was fun to watch, and it took a, a brilliant catch from Chris Morris, really, sort of running wide at, at mid-on to get across and intercept a flick from Warner that was destined for the boundary. And then, you know, Carey went on to within 50 runs of the target, but the, the climbing, asking rate eventually did for him, and Mitchell Stark looked like he might get them there with a few big hits at the end, but he was eventually bowled by Rabada, and that, that was about it. Warner and Carey, whenever I was looking at the scorecard, I kept seeing Wayne Carey over and I couldn't I couldn't no. I couldn't avoid it. Not good. Not good at all. Not good in the slightest. But yes, Warner it felt like, as you say, he was liberated by the required rate going up to about nines, eight and a half, nines. That's when he really started yeah. coming into his own, played some wonderful shots down the ground. A, a typical David Warner celebration when he posted three figures in a hundred balls even. Uh, and that's the third time he's got to the ton in this tournament. Again, not far from the perfect innings. A lot of inside edges early and, and all the rest. But as we've grown accustomed to in the tournament, he started poorly and got better and better and now probably holds the key to as to whether Australia can progress. It feels as though uh, at this stage of the tournament, they're, they're going to need Warner to keep piling on the runs and against England, a country who has done it against consistently over the journey. Now, uh, as we, we've given ourselves a bit more latitude, but we better very quickly race through. There was another game today that we didn't get to watch. So basically, we can't tell you with any authority about what happened when Sri Lanka took on India. We do know that Sri Lanka lost some early wickets. Angelo Matthews made a ton, which was lovely, lovely. to see. Uh, with, he's probably bowing out of ODI cricket pretty soon, you'd think. I, mean, I, I don't know if he's going to pull extends the pin it. I, w- I would have thought that he was that he was 80% chance of retiring from one-day cricket a yep. week ago when they were formally eliminated from the tournament. I wonder whether having taken some wickets down, or rather up at Durham on Monday to, to win the game, and then having made a, a, what by all reports, a very classy century today, whether he might just reconsider. Yeah, and then India chased 267 with ease. Uh, Rohit Sharma made his fifth hundred, if you don't mind, for the World Cup. That's a record for World Cups. He's passed 600 runs in the tournament, as has Warner, as has Shakib Al-Hassan. Only two players have done it before, uh, with it being Tendulkar and Matthew Hayden. So three have done it in this World Cup, and um, and Kale Rahul also made 100. So India uh, cruised their way up to top spot, thanks to Australia losing. Yeah, the Kale Rahul century might actually be more important than the Rohit Sharma ton, when you consider um, that KL was starting at number four in the tournament, went to 
the opening spot in the absence of Shika Darwin. Fair few question marks as to whether he'd retain his spot with Mark Agarwal now in the squad in the absence of Vijay Shankar, who was injured last week. But he, he's uh, he's found form at the right time. And of course, we've seen, especially against Australia, that and, and against England last year at different times, especially in that final Test match, that KL Rahul has all the shots. Just a matter of getting them all in the right direction on the right day. And, and at, at this stage of the tournament, as I mentioned before, they've got the softer of the two semi-finals. Uh, they've timed their run beautifully, India. Maybe a player of the day has to be Rohit Sharma for making 500s in a World Cup. That's ridiculous. He's yeah. played eight games. Yeah. He's played eight matches and made 500s. There's two other players, Andy Zaltzman said, who've made five tons in eight games, and that's Sangakara when he made the four in a row, and Virat Kohli at one point made 500s in eight games in, in a stretch. So right. that's the company he's up there with, and it's just extraordinary. Yeah, it is. And if you were picking a second player of the day, I'd say Fafdu Pasuk. Baf Duplessis, rather, um, a player who's got this wonderful history against Australia, and if he does decide to bow out mm. um, after today, and if he does elect to play for the Perth Scorchers, I saw a report in the newspaper okay. this morning that he might be captaining the Perth Scorchers. Well, I think well. Johnny Pirrick had that yarn in the Age and the, and the Herald yep. this morning. If that were to be the case, uh, then that we will see more of him in Australia, and I'm, and I'm sure he'll enjoy his time over there. He might play in England. He might go on the circuit. He might keep playing test cricket. Who's to know? I don't think he knows himself yet. He's, he's leaving his options open. Hall of Fame, I think, has got to be... F- it's got to be the straight six from Duplessis for yeah. me. That was one of the most exciting shots I've seen live. The charge, Cummins, it wasn't even in the death overs. It was just like, no, I need to make a statement here. Down the wicket, hit it high, long, strong, never any doubt it was going, and it landed on the sight screen material and then rolled slowly all the way back down to the boundary edge just to make the point of how far it had gone. Yeah, I'm happy enough with that. It was one of those days today. It was such a, such a great game, um, such a high-scoring high energy game of cricket with a lot of personal milestones along the way that there probably wasn't a lot of other colour or movement off the field that distracted us so I'm, I'm very happy to see uh, Faf's uh, shot and Mark Nicholas's response on the television <laughs> after play today um, to be uh, admitted to our Hall of Fame which of course is reaching the pointy end at Jeff where now starting the formal process where we're going to dwindle it down from 38 to 9 to 3 to 1 or, or something like that. Something We're like still that. thrashing it. But the guts of it is, is that this week there's going to be a lot of democracy. That should be the end of the day. Jeff, some people might disagree, but we kind of have some cricket expertise. I think we have no expertise, though, when it comes to sensible things like planning and retirement and planning for retirement. Well, lucky then, we know the people who do know their stuff over at CBUS, and all CBUS members have access to their team of qualified advisors. Wow, Adam, I think I've heard of CBUS before, about 400 times on our podcast. Uh, What does a qualified advisor do? It means if you're a CBUS member, they can assist you over the phone about investment options, contribution strategies, and planning the best way to maximise your super for retirement. So you're saying they can help you maximise the middle overs and then have a big surge in the final 10? (laughs) Cricket reference, get it? (laughs) Yeah. Yes, and it's probably going to go a lot longer than the World Cup. Ah, well, you can uh, make sure you don't get caught without a retirement plan. Visit cbussuper.com.au. Do it. Do it today. Final word, World Cup Daily. We've progressed by about... 
20 or so kilometres in the first half of the show, maybe a fraction more. Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon, I neglected to say off the top, this was of course, as ever, for Seabus Super, the industry fund, clobbering your retirement for six. And we received uh, an email uh, overnight, Jeff, which was absolutely brilliant. I'll bring it up in my inbox now so I can give you the exact, uh, the exact reading of it. It was from uh, uh, someone called Tim I'll read his name correctly here. Tim Gilkinson. Thank you, Tim, for sending this in. It's a picture of you and I um, with the final word backdrop, and it says here, in caption form from our David Squires cartoon, Jeff, hey, Adam, what's that? Oh, come on, Jeff. It's a sea bus, and you say super, and there's a picture of a British bus with some sails on top. So we've now got some artwork that goes with the sea bus tagline and, and, and I feel like we're better for it so yeah. thank you Tim for sending that through very kind of you just to explain for British listeners it's the, it's the letter C the third letter of the alphabet and then B-U-S uh, something to do with business construction business I, I'm not sure well, well also uh, Ben Ben Jones uh, who I already mentioned once on the podcast today sent us a message a couple of days ago saying that we, we missed a trick the other day when you literally travelled over the Irish Sea and none of you made a joke about him having gone there on a sea bus which <laughs> it's an opportunity lost but we've got there belatedly nevertheless we have very little to throw forward to because tomorrow is a non-playing day we're of course on the way to the women's ashes but in terms of the men's world cup no cricket today, tomorrow on Sunday no cricket on Monday and then we're, we're back at Manchester we'll be making that drive back at 6am yep. on Monday morning and then we'll be there for preview day and so on the podcast will continue but we're, we're somehow going stop. to do an episode tomorrow about the World Cup there'll probably be things to discuss about oh, the they, World you, Cup you better believe there will be but we will we'll also be recording that as you say from the Canterbury ground the Spitfire ground at Canterbury where the third ODI of the Women's Ashes will be taking place so hence the long drive down there tonight to make sure we w- wanted to get both series covered so um, we, we'll have something to talk about I'm sure we always always will as far as casting forward is confirming again those two semi-finals the first of those at Old Trafford between India and New Zealand on Tuesday then Australia and England at Edgebaston on Thursday what could possibly so go wrong it's the best you know what it's the best possible result we often talk about in, in a football context that the the people's day is a preliminary final it's a great yeah. day for the sport when the punters can come along to the MCG and fill out the joint to an extent there's a similarity there with the semi-finals of this tournament which of course the tickets are, oh, yeah. are far more accessible than the final at Lords will be where the, where the tickets won't really have a feel a, 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 a patriotic feel I, I suspect we will have that uh, at both the semi-finals I'm sure there'll be a lot of trading going on between fans I look forward to seeing that online over the next couple of days and and, and, and there'll be I'm sure wonderful events and if it's half as good as the semi-final that we had 20 years ago Jeff well we should be so lucky well and also the fact that within three weeks at Edgebaston you'll have a semi-final between Australia and England and then an Ashes test between Australia and England with a heaving holly stand and, and all the rest of it it's going to be amazing it sure is this has been the final World World Cup Daily Day Theatre Thank you so much for being with us over this journey for the last gee, six and a half, going on now, six and a half weeks, whatever that works out to be. It's been an incredibly fun thing to do. Of course, we're carrying on through to the final day of the World Cup and then the ashes as well if everything falls into place as we're planning on doing so. Uh, thanks to your for your lovely tweets and emails and comments and, and various other things. If you love the podcast, do give it a review or rate it or whatever else. Uh, if you enjoy what we do, listen to the weekly show as well, the Josh Butler interview is up the Natalie Germanos interview is up we've received some great feedback about that over the last couple of days and and be with us again tomorrow on day 39
nine of the World Cup Daily. Adam Collins and Jeff Lemon for Seabus Super, the industry super fun hitting your retirement for six. Talk to you tomorrow. Only three hours and 20 minutes of driving here. So you know what I meant here. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. Every day, hundreds of thousands of us are building a future we can all be proud of. For over 34 years, the growth CBUS My Super option has returned an average of 9.29% per annum for its members while investing in projects that not only create jobs, but something better. CBUS for all of us. To consider if CBUS is right for you, go to cbussuper.com.au for a PDS. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance.